You're listening to the Big Finish Podcast, release date the 26th of September, 2021. Zen, adjust our flight plan to put us in Vardo's orbit. Confirmed. We'll probably be down there for a few days. I'll tell Blake what we're doing and pack a few things. I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs, and once again, you find yourself in the world of Big Finish's audio drama and audio books. Possibly very exciting. Pretty soon now, Benji and I will be chatting about, well, you'll have to wait and see. It's it's Rhodes, isn't it? A Rhodes, B Rhodes. B527 to Burton Bradstock. Yeah, Yeah, Sturridge. Uh, Then it'll be time, of course, for our good review guide. This week it's Space 1999, Volume 1. Following on, we'll be delving into the worlds of Blake 7. Following all this is a completely meaningless phrase. Following following on, uh, hearing from the cast and crew of The Clone Masters, including Sally Nivette, Jan Chappell, director Lisa Bauman, writer Tim Foley, and script editor Peter Angelides. My name is Sally Nivette, and I play Jenna Stannis. After that, once again, we'll be straight into listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com to find out what you want to talk about. You, it's you. Then we stick with the worlds of Blake 7 as we give you a preview of the, the audiobook The Clone Masters, The Rule of Death, read by Glynis Barber. And there'll be a Q&A with her too. Hello, I'm Glynis Barber. The Randomoid Selectatron will once again be materialising, offering you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. I'm Zara. I help people. And finally, we round things off with a free 15-minute drama tease of the Clone Masters, Separation, by Tim Foley. The Queen of the Clone Masters is dead. Nice, nice. There we are. Now, I just wanted to say, because uh, we used to do a lot of cat weasel uh, impersonations. Hey, boy. Hey, boy. Correct. I have time, brother. <laughs> well, I've just been watching Cat Weasel again on BritBox and just, um, oh, just I'm laughing my head off uh, this morning, just briefly watching that episode where he turns um, Carrot into a, a monkey or so he thinks. Oh, yes. that Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the one in that greenhouse, isn't it, as well? That's that right, yes. With strange Peter, guy. Peter Butterworth, you know, That's the, it, the meddling yes. monk. Uh, yes, of course brilliant. it is. In case people don't know, Cat Weasel's 1970 ITV British children's television programme. And it's about a man called Cat Weasel who falls back through time from Norman times and befriends a, a young boy and they have adventures together. And it's absolutely br- It makes me cry with laughter and with nostalgia and this is we haven't got the rights to it i'd love to have the rights to it for big finish but we we haven't can't get them i always think that uh, my if i was to choose a modern day cat weasel i think peter capaldi would actually be really good <laughs> because he's got that level of he can be quite formidable and quite quite frightening but yeah. he can be really warm and twinkly and cat weasel is all about that being completely self self-obsessed isn't he really in his yes. own what he's doing and then he'll suddenly have these I... moments of Yes, it's work it. Yes, you know, all that sort of... Amazing. Hey, boy. A damkus. A damkus, yes. Down me, down me, And, yes, a damkus is his knife, isn't it? And Touchwood is Touchwood. And Jeffrey Bailden, who plays the part, is quite remarkable in the role. Paul I was just play that, wasn't he, really? I was just marvelling at the, the weird plotting in that they, you know, uh, he... 
he curses Carrot, his friend, because he they have a disagreement about something. And he said, yeah, turn me into whatever you like. And then, you know, so he conducts the spell to to turn him into something. And then just by chance, a monkey has escaped <laughs> from, from <laughs> Peter Butterworth's house, who happens to be wearing almost exactly the same clothes as Carrot. I mean, it doesn't... The plot, plot doesn't hold water, but I just... It, it was just making me laugh so much, and the and also the 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 monkey is called Boy. So so <laughs> I'm when, here, Boy. So when Cat Weasel says, "Hey, the Boy," you know, and they get confused about what they're t- oh, it's just. And also, when could you do a children's program where the lead character gets utterly smashed on red wine, which is what happens to Cat Weasel? Of course, he, yes, he, he necks does. an entire bottle of red wine and says, "I am cursed, the room spins," <laughs> and then he just. They've got this low angle shot with him like falling into the camera, you know, and his feet boing up in the air. I was just laughing my head off. It's just it is, it is one of those series, in my opinion, it is just perfect. I mean, certainly series one. Series two is a whole different thing. Yeah. But series one, as a piece of. I don't think they should have ever done another series. No. Because as series one, that as a piece, I urge you people to watch it. If you've got BritBox out there or you can get the DVD from Network, um, honestly. Give it a watch. It's just a fantastic, light-hearted bit yeah. of fun, um, and it's superbly made. And it's made, you can tell there's a lot of a lot of love for it in there. And it's got yeah, it's got huge fans all over the world. Yes. Massive in Germany as well. Yeah, well, they've done a movie, haven't they? They have done a movie, yeah, but for years as well. Though for years there there is like a a huge movement, and there's even a man who just calls himself Cat Weasel and lives like Cat Weasel. Really bizarre. <laughs> really bizarre. Wow. Oh, is he as smelly as Cat Weasel? Because that's the thing oh, that I... really hits me about this. Whenever Cat Weasel's hiding anywhere, people are going, what's that smell? And you think, that's oh, Cat Weasel's smell. in the room. <laughs> hiding in the barrel yeah. like that. And he's in, when he's in the bath and all the water's all grim. Oh, oh dear. God. That's right. And then the next episode, the farmhand is trying to clean the bath out. He's saying, it's, <laughs> it's really blocked up, sir. <laughs> Just with Cat Weasel's filth, basically. Anyway, hundred years of filth. <laughs> Nine hundred years. Well, that was oh, our review, wasn't that it? Really? Nine hundred years. <sighs> that, that's the point where that vicar who finds Cat Weasel materialised on the top of his church spire. Oh yes. When he he's fine with him until he asks him how long he's had the toad, and he goes nine hundred years, and so he immediately goes to phone the authorities just because yes. someone says they've had their toad for nine hundred years. I mean, the fact that he's dressed so strangely doesn't seem to phase him. It's just, the fact that he has a pet toad is surely that, enough. Yeah, yes. quite, quite frankly, but a pet toad that he's had for nine hundred years, and yes. he's on top of a, the roof of the church. Yeah. Children's telly, yeah. There we go. Uh, Yeah, Blake Seven is the other thing, of course, that we're dealing with in this. uh, What's your relationship with Blake Seven, Mike, Benji? My relationship with Blake Seven is actually um, a really weird one because um, I associate it with this bizarre uh, toy that um, when I was a kid, I was bought, like, from some, you know, garden centre. Like, you know, they do those fates or something and they have, like, the second-hand toys. I was bought this huge box of, like, space age like building kit it was really cool i've no idea what it was but it was amazing and it looked like the business and it was very similar to the sort of design of blake seven and i remember waking up really early the next day of receiving it and um 
started just you know playing with it and on the TV I just turned the TV on and was scanning and I came across Blake 7 on UK Gold like early in the morning when they used to play it so I was playing with this toy and then Blake 7 was on the TV and I just remember thinking it was really cool and mm. I, I just remember watching it and be like oh yeah like, it's, you know things whizzing around and it's space but it, it had a sort of slightly uh, in my opinion it's a, quite a sort of anarchic way in which it's designed half the time things looked jagged and kind of you know cool and in that classic classic television sort of vibe yeah very kind of uh minimalistic and so i always kind of associate it with being really young and i watched it years later when i was old enough to sort of understand what's going on Mm. and uh you know i i love blake seven i think it's a really i think it's a really cool show um i think it's my opinion is bbc trying something different and actually succeeding at it which i think is really cool well, I mean, you know, it stayed for three series on the television, and uh, I think that that's a big mark of its success. I remember that Terry Wogan, the uh, BBC Radio 2 DJ, uh, took it to heart. You know, he, he used to mock it dreadfully, but in a in a, a very heartwarming way. And he, I think he helped make it really successful because he said, <laughs> did you see Blake 7 last night? Uh, you know, and he, he used to have all his uh, uh, listeners writing in about it. Anyway, uh, we're just mentioning Blake 7 because, of course, this uh, podcast has a lot of Blake 7 content. So more of that later. Well, that was a good review, but there are more to come. This is the Good Review Guide, finding the latest and positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. And this week, as promised, it's Space 1999, Volume 1. From Big Finish Productions, Space 1999, Volume 1. Abandon hope of returning to Earth. Was I right, Professor? Was someone watching us for meta? You're suggesting the moon was deliberately taken out of Earth's orbit. That's a spacecraft. It's small. I almost missed it. Take over! This is Moonbase Alpha. My intentions are peaceful. Simmons, get down! I gave them a secret code. I had to lift up before my eagle I think your people should join us. Imagine that, being able to set our own course for once. Oh, smell that fresh air. It may be brand new to us, but it's probably been here a few million years or so, and we don't know a thing about it. Look out! What do you think you're... Humanity's dream of immortality. I'm going to take their nuclear core to power this ship into deep space. Stop! Now you see I mean it. Would you look at that? Are we about to have humankind's first contact with aliens? Big Finish. We love stories. Just go to bigfinish.com and type space 1999 without the colon okay. uh, into the search pane at the top uh, to get yourself blasted right out of orbit. Ah! Uh, are you all right? I got blasted out of orbit. Well, you're back again. It didn't oh, take you long. No, no, I got an eagle back. Oh, well, that's a whole other kettle of fish. Whole other kettle of fish. Um, <laughs> just doing funny thing is, I can't hear that at all. I can just see you going. Oh, really? With your hand. I could, yeah, I couldn't. 
Oh, that's the uh, Zoom cuts out strange noises, doesn't it? Anyway, the listeners will have heard my fantastic impersonation of her. They eagle. would have loved it, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> as as did um, Ian McArdle, Indie Mac UK, who says all three of these episodes are lovingly placed in the period with authentic sound design from Ian Meadows and a pleasing score. I like that. It's a bit like when you have some sort of cake, you know. Yes, very pleasing cake. This pleasing. I like pleasing. that. Yes, pleasing, mm. pleasing. I'm so sorry for all the noise. It appears I'm just living in the middle of a a uh, building site. Um, <laughs> Uh, this is me and my digger. Um, although the original could be glacial at times, director and script editor Nicholas Briggs ensures this version keeps to a smart pace. Thank you, thank you. The reimagining of Space 1999 shows no signs of flagging, and we look forward to Volume 2. The future of humanity could not be in safer hands. Nice one, nice. Uh, eh, um, uh, cultbox.co.uk, Rich Cross... Uh, says, although it's a richer dramatic endeavour, Space 1999 on audio is still firmly moored to the same lunar logic that drove the TV series. There's no question from this impressive, confident and dramatically satisfying first volume that the travellers of Space 1999 have a long interstellar journey ahead of them. Four and a half stars. Very nice. We like four and a half stars. Well, Lee Thacker... Yeah, I used to have a teacher called Mr. Thacker. Did I don't you? think his first name was Lee, and he would probably be about 90 now. So unless that Lee Thacker's a real fan of Space 1999, which is possible. I don't think it's this guy, but uh, setthetape.com, Lee Thacker says, Space 1999 Volume 1 gives us a much deeper look at the Alphans and their plight, questioning what it is that makes us human and the lengths that people will go to not just survive, but to build a life which is actually worth living. Mm -hmm. The regular cast are all gelling together really well, uh, building up a true repartee and uh, camaraderie, of course, uh, which sometimes seem to be lost or lacking with the television ensemble. Based upon the evidence from this set, Space 1999 is in safe hands, a big finish. See, that? Well, that's again, setting it safe hands. Mm. Uh, and long may it continue. There's four stars there. Could be a swear word. We don't think it is. It's four stars. <laughs> well, I give that review five stars. Uh, the digital in safe hands. Com with my safe hands. There they are. Uh, Lachlan Haycock says Space 1999 melds together an era-authentic effects and storytelling through a contemporary uh, lens with great effect. The space exploration premise risks comparison with other science fiction programmes, most notably Star Trek. Yet Space 1999 has all the elements of an entertaining spacefaring saga, one where the personalities are as interesting as the concepts at play. You can see why Big Finish picked up this property for their latest storytelling enterprise. Is that a little joke there? <laughs> I don't know. It feels like it could be. God, I'm loving watching Star Trek at the moment, oh. Nick. I'm so into it. I Lower it. Decks, I recommend. Oh, that's that's on the list. That's yeah. on the list. I, I'm working my way through. Basically, working my way through all of it at the moment. Uh, but yeah, it's a whole other tangent for another. But the time. original series, you can't beat it. Yeah. No, it's well debatable. According to it, seems everybody's got their own. Oh yeah, Star totally. Trek. But yeah, it's yeah, my yeah. favourite. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a toss kind of guy. Um, the original <laughs> series, that's what it means. Yes, TOS. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, in Twittertopia, Shadaki twenty. Uh, Shadaki 63 I just got your number wrong there but I was just too busy enjoying saying Shadaki sounds like a good name for an alien race doesn't it what well, do you know we are the Shadaki was Marshall Shadaki in the android 
invasion. Good Lord, it? you're right, aren't you? Yeah. Yes. I think that Good may... Is, do you think that's the origin of this name? Possibly. Possibly. I like it. I that like whole it. 63 thing just reminds me of a weird dream I had last night. Uh, that Ben Affleck wrote me a cheque for £1,963. <laughs> Very specific I, yeah, amount. He had, it's because in the dream, my wife and I had amused him. He had a lizard. This is just totally weird. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had our, our cat, our kitten, and we were sort of pretending with its paw that it was scratching us. So he did it with his lizard and, went, <laughs> and did sort of kind of, ah, pretending to be scratched acting. And then we drove our car around the corner and then he came along and handed this check in through the window <laughs> and said, thanks for the laugh. And I went, oh, that's insanely jealous, Gen- jealous, insanely generous of you. And then I looked at it. I said, he must be a Doctor Who fan because it, the amount, 1,963, is 1963. That's, that's very clever, actually. Isn't that of weird? Of this is you find out he hasn't got a lizard and he's not a Doctor Who fan. And well, it's a complete I d- fantasy. Well, I, do, I, d- I remember thinking it was Ben Affleck, but actually I think... It was another Hollywood actor, but that's why I just kept saying, I think that's Ben Affleck, but I think it was another one. If I type in There's Ben Affleck actor. lizard, yeah. I'll see if there is anything on there. How long do lizards live? Um, ben Affleck. Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck cuddle up in a picture. It's just a, an associated article. Never mind. Well, we'll never know, quite frankly. That's the thing. I don't actually think it was Ben Affleck either. So um, in the dream. He I, was just playing the lizard. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry to interrupt that. I'm, I'm loving it. But yeah, uh, Shadaki63 says, Currently on my third listen of uh, the Big Finish uh, Space 1999 Volume 1 box set. It's in safe hands. No, it doesn't say safe hands. <laughs> uh, great job, Andrew Smith. Oh, too, right. too right. Well, too he right. did indeed write um, t- two of the episodes, I think. Uh, it's pl- fine. Le Chien, uh, hashtag Space 1999 Series 1, another cult 70s TV series superbly revisited on audio by Big Finish. Uh, was all a bit good. Andrew Smith, Roland Moore, and, and uh, Nicholas Briggs, and that man Meadows, yeah, Ian Meadows' sound design, and Joe Kramer's music was simply perfect. Of course, the theme arranged and played by Benji Cliven. Uh, I just mentioned that. 10 out of Thank 10. You very much. I, I give that review 11 out of 10. Why not spinal tap it up with uh, take it to 11? Well, James Mpa, Mpa, Mpa uh, <laughs> says uh, the Space 99 Big Finish series is rad as hell. Rad. Oh, is that a good rad thing? Rad as hell. Yeah, rad's called Radical Man. Radical Man. Okay. Yeah, uh, man, peace out. One of our favourites at Justin B. Quinnick, uh, if at Big Finish has one universal quality, it's the perfect balance of fresh and familiar, uh, nostalgic and reinventing Space 1999 Volume 1 is the embodiment of that balance. It felt new and refreshing while delivering perfect episodic sci-fi adventures that downright hit the spot. Superb. 10 out of 10. Thank you so much, Justin. Nice one. Green Lantern 44 says, You know I forgot to tweet about it at the time. You should definitely check out the new Space 1999 box set from Big Finish. It's a fantastic reimagining of the old series with some new tales that feel like they fit right in with the themes of the old. Nice one. And the old. Old. The old. Eye of time, brother. The eye of time. 
at Earth Shadows says hashtag Space 1999 Volume 1 from Big Finish is a classic hashtag sci-fi fans dream come true. There is absolutely nothing to fault with this set. Oh, thank you. The incredible sound design of that man Meadows, Ian Meadows, combined with the moody strings of at Joe Kramer had me utterly transfixed. I can't think of anyone more suited to the role of Koenig than Mark Bonner. What a stunning performance. It is stunning. Uh... If this range doesn't go on and on and on, I will be very surprised indeed. Congratulations to everyone involved. 10 out of 10, another 10 out of 10. We've done well. I love it. The old Space 1999 there. If you haven't heard it, folks, do check it out. Uh, We're completing work on recording volume two at the moment. Just one more recording session to go. So that's an exciting prospect in waiting. Well, that's it for the reviews this week. More next time when we take a look at who knows what, quite frankly. It's a secret. Coming up soon, it'll be listeners' emails. But first, we go behind the scenes with Jan Chapel, Sally Nivette, Lisa Bauman, Tim Foley, and many, many more, or, or at least a few more. Anyway, uh, I don't, I don't wish to exaggerate. I don't want to get your hopes up. Uh, as we enter the worlds of Blake Seven, the Clone Masters. Hello, my name is Lisa Bowerman and I've directed this uh, World of Blake 7, The Clone Masters. I'm under commission from a clone master. A clone master? I presume you've heard of them. Bit of a shadowy bunch. Well, it's been a couple of years since I've been doing the Blake 7. Sadly, we've lost a, a couple of the cast members since I've been back. But it's it's actually really nice. It's a lovely change and a rather nice kind of reunion in a strange sort of way. Hi, my name is Tim Foley, and I am the writer of the Worlds of Black 7 box set, The Clone Masters. I really like stories that, you know, take place over a certain amount of time where you get to, like, you know, feed people and, and, and put them to bed and allow them to really bed down in a world. And we knew the story was going to focus on the sort of origins of the Clone Masters, and that made me think of sort of stories and fairy tales. And so I thought a sort of spooky woods, as it were, would be a good setting for that. My name is Sally Nevette and I play Jenna Stannis. Hinton said she came across an unusual R on her, a Lara Kay. She asked if you knew her. Lara Kay? I mean, it's like me expecting to know every other human in space. But maybe you do know her. It's just not possible. It's great to be doing a, 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 an episode with Jan. I mean, so many of our fans have said, you know, when are you and Jan going to do something together properly? And this has been a fantastic opportunity, actually. really has. And, you know, I think we could... Well, I would love the idea of it continuing. I mean, there's so many adventures we could have. And it's such a good time at the moment, you know, with the with the general feeling, I think, in, in society that women are on the ascendant in most areas or, you know, claiming their right to be heard a bit more. I feel that this is, this is really good. It's great news that you're writing these episodes. And I love Tim Foley's writing. It was extremely fun to put Callie and Jenna together, especially because it felt like writing a slight wrong of the show. Definitely a product of its time, but, you know, Callie and Jenna often got stuck behind a desk. And so we wanted to get them out from that desk and put them together on a little adventure. Hello, I'm Peter Angelidis. I've been script editing this series of scripts. Well, I remember the actors talking to me about their experience of being in the TV show 
and uh, one of the reasons that uh, uh, Sally moved on in the second after the second series was uh, a feeling that she had other things to do outside of Blake Seven, but also that perhaps she wasn't getting the interesting parts that some of the other leads were getting in the series. So when it came to that, to that first episode for this box set, we were very keen to give Jenna and Callie some, some meaningful stuff to do in an episode together, to give them some agency uh, in that first episode. Jan Chapel, who played Callie. The mystery deepens. Perhaps your Hinton intended that. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. There is another part to my story, but I'm not sure I'm quite ready to tell it. That's all right. We'll probably have plenty of time down here. We complained at one point and it ended up on in one of the tabloids and they picked up the most unattractive pictures of Sally and I and it had the headline, Mutiny on the Liberator. And somewhere along the line, something was picked up when I think I said, well, sometimes we get a bit frustrated because we aren't let out to go away on vacation. The girls were left up in the ship to make tea, I, I said. So yes, we, we didn't, we never had an independent venture, Sal and I, we never went down on a planet together, just us two, never, never. And we didn't even have a lot of, if we were left on the, operate, uh, on the Liberator, there weren't scenes with us, particularly in any challenging situation together, working our way through something. So, no, it's, so this is a first here in this series of episodes. Well, just go to bigfinish.com and type clone uh, to find the latest voyage into the worlds of Blake Seven. Mm. And, of course, don't forget that we'll be dramatizing the Clones Masters. Uh, Actually, it's the Clone it's the Masters. Clone Masters. I just, I just I typed say. it incorrectly, I'm sorry. <laughs> you typed it in incorrectly. Uh, don't forget, of course, that we'll be dramatizing you with The Clone Masters, oh, yeah, Separation yes, by Tim Foley at the end of this very podcast. Yes. So, Nick, uh, mm. it's time to give me a big surprise. <laughs> John Wayne you, Did style. you notice earlier that I was kind of talking like this with my neck like that because my microphone was too low and it never occurred to me to move the microphone up. I'm so doing it right of, now, I think, actually. I, I look so, like a sort of... I'm now yeah. fully... For my, my spine is fully extended. Um, yes, I'll give you a surprise. Boo! <laughs> it's listener's emails. Oh, <laughs> I love emails. Uh, the good thing about surprises is they're a surprise. I Boom. didn't see this coming. Nick, he said to me before the podcast, he said, I've cut out the email section, so don't worry about it. And here it is. So I'm colour me shocked. Um, and if you want to send in a surprise email, you can do. We won't be expecting you to send them to podcast at bigfinish.com. That's podcast. That's P to the O to the D cast at bigfinish.com. Send them in or don't. And then do anyway. And then surprise us. You get the point. First up, this one's from uh, Vitus Varnus. Uh, subject to this one is last stories. Um, Dear Big Finish Podcast, uh, with yes. the news of more lost stories based on early drafts of the Ark in Space and Genesis of the Daleks, could we possibly see an audio adaptation of Death World by Bob Baker and Dave Martin? The original, the original uh, draft, <laughs> uh, which would involve the three Doctors. Um, Death World was, uh, Death World has the first three Doctors face death and his forces of evil in purgatory. Uh, who intend to oppose the dominance of the Time Lords. 
Uh, the story features elements and elephants, not elephants, just elements, oh. inspired by Greek mythology. Uh, Ingmar Bergman's The Seventh Seal, oh, what a film, uh, and the British comedy The Magnificent Seven Deadly Sins. Uh, yours wow. sincerely, Vitus Varnus. Well, uh, it's interesting. It's also Daleks' Genesis of Terror is, of course, the original script for Genesis, Genesis of, of the Daleks. Uh, um, well, what what an interesting idea is all I'm saying. Do carry on. Oh, it's me. Uh, it's next you. up, Adam Ooh. Graham. Adam uh, Graham. Very nice chap from this parish. Mm. Says, and I didn't even have to do my Oliver Twist impersonation, is the subject <laughs> title of this email. The mind boggles, Adam. Uh, dear Nick and Benji, I just read the fantastic in bold news about us getting more Ninth Doctor adventures in 2022 and 2023. As someone who's a huge fan of the Ninth Doctor, I'd wondered whether Christopher Eccleston would be interested in doing more or whether the fourth volume would be our last hurrah it's great to not only hear that he's going to do more but that he's happy doing them particularly given how things went for him on television controversial klaxon alert that was me saying that not not adam uh, thank you for creating an atmosphere where creative people can have a positive fun experience and for also being the one source of good news this last couple of years so many <laughs> depressing headlines these days and thanks for big finish giving us something to smile about all the best adam graham sent from all of time and space all you know I know I'm just being frivolous all the time when I read these things out, but that whole business of creating an atmosphere where creative people can have a positive, fun experience, that is the most important thing to me, you know? Just, um... And just like uh, yesterday, we were finishing doing a recording and uh, Heather Challens, who's one of our new producers, you may have heard mention of, we should persuade her to come on the podcast, but I know yeah. what she's like. She'll mm. go, no, no, I don't want to do it. Um, she, you know, she said at the end of the day when we were chatting about it, how lovely it was, the experience and the collaboration and everything. Uh, it just makes my heart sing, really, because that's that's all I want. I want for people to feel that they were in an environment where they could express themselves and help other people to express themselves i just want it to be fun and positive and that's certainly what i uh, tried to do when i directed chris eccleston and i know that you know helen and barnaby uh, that's helen goldwyn and barnaby edwards you know picked up the bat on there and i got total confidence in those two people as directors and they deployed all their you know best skills and gave chris the most amazing time and of course chris as well I, I can't tell you how much he he came to the project with a really positive upbeat attitude right from the first word he spoke you know, when we were on clean feed and just suddenly said, oh, it's it's Chris here. You know, I won't do an impersonation <laughs> thing because <laughs> because uh, Chris and I had a bit of a laugh about that. But we'll, we'll go no further. You know, someone wrote in and said, have you heard Nicholas Briggs's impersonation of you? And uh, we had a little titter about that. Anyway, so really, really pleased that you're pleased about that, Adam. It's going to be exciting times ahead. Loads of great storylines have come through. Um, brilliant scripts being written by brilliant writers. It's going to be um, the Trip ride of, of a, a lifetime. lifetime. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that and I got in there. Well done. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, we've got one more here from oh, yes. Jeff Hughes. Uh, the subject BBC of this News. one is <laughs> Jeff Hughes at BBC News. <laughs> Standing in some queues. Uh, the subject of this one is 60s movie character audios. 
Uh, yes, yes, there is. Yes. And yes. Nick and Benji, your mm. podcast is always a source of great enjoyment uh, to this Doctor Who fan. Wondering if the idea of doing audio plays, uh, adapting the characters as portrayed in the 1960s feature films, has ever been thought of. Could be uh, very interesting and different takes on some stories. That's Jeff from Saugertes. I don't know what that is. Don't know either. Um, well, uh, so that's the end of that. Uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Hughes, BBC News. Um, I, th- you know, wouldn't that be fun? Just imagine. I don't think, I think there's a whole issue about, you know, rights and Studio Canal, isn't it? Yeah. Distributes it. Anyway, I don't know if I don't, But, it but right. it's also the character of the Doctor and I don't know what you do about it, but I would, that would just be great to be do brilliant. a soundtrack, you know, and have that sort of jazz music. <laughs> uh, oh, well, you, you, what, what you'd really want to do is, is to do uh, sort of adaptations of Doctor Who stories yeah. in a completely different way. You know, I've always thought that it would be really cool to do, like, um, I, I think like something like, you know, like Tomb of the Cybermen? Yes. Can you imagine that as a kind of 60s film? Like, the, you know, because it's such like a... Like a hammer film. Like, like a hammer like, film. Like, like a mass in the pit. Yes. Yeah, like like them entering some kind of... Py- it would just be fab, wouldn't it? A huge pyramid full of Cybermen. Uh, they're metal men. <laughs> <laughs> with, someone, with someone doing a Peter Cushing voice. Oh, it would yeah. be so good, wouldn't it? It would be amazing. And the yeah. Cybermen ha- sounding almost like... Like, they either have to be the most Cybermen-y Cybermen voices or they have to be really different for it to work. Well, it whatever voice they had, it would have masses of reverb on it. With loads of reverb, yes. And there'd probably be some kind of boss Cyberman that's really big. I'm um, getting really... Well, should we just write it? Let's just yeah, do it now. Yeah. Well, Let's cancel the podcast. You belong to us. Oh, can you imagine that? You that would be awesome. Yes, by the looks of it, it is some kind of extremely huge machine. Are they living, though? That is the question. And then some stupid old rubbish like that. We're there, aren't we? We're there. We're there. We're writing this. Well, there we go. Yeah, I think it is just rights, though. It'll never be made now. But but the beauty of podcast means that you've already heard it now. You've heard it here first. So close. You could feel their metal. Um... (laughs) 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 that's a bit lame wasn't it Uh, that's it for this week for the emails Uh, there will be more but if you send them in next time is there anything you want to write in about anything you want to you know, make a comment about it. maybe a review. Do a, if you want to do a review of something we've um, released recently, we'd love to hear that. It's quite difficult when you ask us what our future plans are because we mostly just can't tell you. Um, favorite uh, favorite doctors and why? Favorite companions and why? Let us know at podcastbigfinish.com. Well, just a reminder that we'll be dramatizing you with The Worlds of Blake Seven, The Clone Master's Separation at the end of this podcast. But first, to keep you in the Blake Seven mood, we preview our Clone Master's tie-in audiobook read by Glynis Barber, The Rule of Death, which also features a Q&A by Glynis as well. I want to say. Blake Seven, The Rule of Death. Written by Trevor Baxendale. Narrated... By Glynis Barber. Sometimes Rochelle would simply watch Blake in the night while he slept. She would reach out and gently touch him, just to remind herself that he was real. As a bond slave, Rochelle had been forbidden to touch any other person without permission. This was different. 
She wasn't a slave anymore, and Blake wasn't any other person. He was hers, and she was terrified of losing him. Blake was tall, broad of shoulder and mind, a thinker and a learner, a worker, and even a warrior when he had to be. Yes, he was hers. At times like this, Rochelle was always careful not to wake him. When Blake was asleep, he was at peace. He was strong and beautiful. When he was awake, he looked troubled. Rochelle could see it in his eyes. Dark clouds like a storm was coming. They hid from the worst of the seasonal rains. The larger downpours could be terrifying, with thunder rolling down from the mountains and the whole night sky flickering with red and blue lightning. Rochelle and Blake would sit huddled together like mice under a leaf and wait for the hard rains to come. The heavy water always followed the storm, pouring from the heavens, thrashing down on everything below, running off rocks and roofs to form rivers of grey mud that swirled past their shelter in foaming torrents until at last, and with a final blustering cough, the black clouds drifted away, utterly spent. Peace returned. If they were lucky, a wan sunshine would come with it, probing nervously through the mist. Rochelle and Blake would walk along the abandoned roads, skirting the puddles and ponds, reclaiming their home from the elements, checking the little plots of land they'd started to cultivate. Rochelle had quite the gift for growing things. Blake watched her with admiration. His fingers and hands were growing far too clumsy for such delicate, patient work with seeds and shoots. And so they carried on building their life together, slowly, carefully, on a lost world at the edge of space. Hello, I'm Glynis Barber. I've just finished recording The Rule of Death, and Big Finish have given me some questions to answer. Well, I played Sulan in the last and final series of Blake 7, a very long time ago now. It was like being back in an episode of Blake 7, actually. I, I, it feels very, very true to the series and uh, the characters. So um, it, it was a little bit like, um, like going back uh, <laughs> in time to, to when I was recording this. So, yeah, really quite something. You know, it really did make me think back to all those years ago um, at the BBC um, in the rehearsal room, you know, sitting there with the cast, uh, you know, rehearsing all week and mucking around and then going into the studio on a Friday and uh, recording it all. Um, and I do, I do feel that the script is very, you know, is very good because it, it really does have a feel of of the characters and um, and and and, uh, and the feel of Blake Seven. So it it really is like going back in time. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Clone Masters into mm -hmm. the search pane mm -hmm. at the top to find this great audiobook release and the full cast Clone Masters box set, which we're giving you a free drama tease of. At the end of this podcast, we may have mentioned that. Uh, I know, our generosity knows no bounds. Well, thanks, Nick, but uh, do you know what it's time for now? <laughs> As if we didn't know. Ah, it's the Randomized Selectron, where we give you a 75... No, we give you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release... It's Graceless 2. 
Graceless 2, no rest Arsenal for the wicked. There we go. Okay, Graceless 2. Well, here is the trailer for Graceless 2. Actually, bizarrely, there is no trailer uh, for Graceless 2, despite my having asked for one several times. Uh, So here's a clip. I'm Zara. I help people. I try to help people. We both do. Me and my sister. swallowed a ton of mud. Oh, I'd have torn my dress. I really like this dress. Did you get the key? Yeah, it's right here. So now their arc missiles can't fire. Serves them right for my dress. Lots of screaming faces on the front cover of this one. Graceless, very popular. Uh, spin-off. Uh, Doctor Who spin-off. Abby and her sister Zara are not real people. They were created by pan-dimensional beings to help save space and time. They've been blessed with special powers. They can see into people's heads, uh, luckily not their elbows, uh, even influence their thoughts. And so long as they're together, they can go anywhere or anywhere. But the universe is dangerous, unpredictable. Abby and Zara have made mistakes and many thousands have died goodness Uh, they know they've done wrong that they have made enemies who scour all of history to find them so they keep moving on trying to make amends trying to help people and not to do any more harm um you know have you've met the uh actors who play uh abby and zara have you i have yes i have a few years ago now lovely people lovely people and so enthusiastic for it as well which is nice daisy ashford's also in it Oh, Susan Brown, Michael Cochran, Derek Griffiths, Fraser James. What an incredible cast. It's a banger, isn't it, quite frankly? And it's so easy to get your hands on. Yes. Go on. Well, you tell people about that while I uh, email Jackie or maybe Sue uh, to uh, let them know what's on offer. Okie dokie. Well, all you have to do is go to bigfinish.com. You can find details of the podcast on the home page, or you can click on the podcast tab and find it there. Or you can click audiobooks to find it in the Big Finish podcast range. Uh, When you've done that, uh, (laughs) just going into all different voices now, (laughs) select this week's podcast and click read more. Uh, you can see that it says the random wide select. I'm sorry, I'm just making this very hard for everybody. Just go on to bigfinish.com, go on there, go across to uh, podcasts on the menu, go on there, see the podcast in question, click read more, go in there. In the blurb, it will say click here and enter the code buck up. That's B U C K U P, all capital letters, no spaces, no complications. You'll get 25% off and then some. Enjoy. Thank you. Well done. Thanks, Ran. Uh, next week's podcast features the return of Robin Hood to Big Finish. You know, we used to do Robin Hood stuff well. We did, yes, uh, and, we and the did. licence ran out, but it's being it's reactivated. Yes. And also the return of the Omega Factor in an audiobook entitled Immaculate Possessions. Mm. We'll be going behind the scenes with Robin Hood with uh, Richard Armitage chatting about his role in the series. So, lots to look forward to there. In the meantime, thanks for listening to this Big Finish production. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. And we'll be back full of thrills and spills next week. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, by the way, time now for the Worlds of Blake 7. Yes. Uh, The Clone Masters. Separation by Tim Foley.
the queen of the clone masters is dead. The light of the city is out. It will blaze again when a new queen rises. Fen breathed her last, and now the universe holds her breath. Sound the bells. Dignitaries far and wide have been summoned. As I speak, they flock to our side. But now you must retreat to the heart and focus the mind. The seeds of our future lie in each and every one of you. Bring forth a new queen and let the conclave begin. Down and safe. How is it? Quiet enough. And you put me in the shade, thank goodness. You weren't dressed for twin sons. Can you see the tower from your location? Yes, it's not far. Is she still transmitting? Loud and clear. I'll let you know if that changes. Even if it does, we've got her now. The ladder's the only point of entry. I'll see her if she makes a run for it. How are you feeling? Oh, delighted to be catching up with her after all this time. And perhaps I'll hear from you again soon. Bye for now. I don't believe it. Jenna Stannis. Hello, Hinton. How wonderful to see you again. You've barely changed. I mean, you've forgotten how to knock, but... Uh... Aha, put the gun down, please. Oh, that hardly seems fair when you're armed. Might have forgotten how to knock, but I haven't forgotten how we parted ways. But perhaps it's time to move on from all that. How generous of you. I'm sure you came all this way, landed on a rather inhospitable planet. Not to mention climbed a very long ladder. Just to tell me that. Not quite. We have an offer for you. We being the infamous Blake and his band of terrorists? Freedom fighters. You've been making a name for yourself, Stannis. Whereas you keep as low a profile as possible. Very hard to find, Hinton. Alas, not hard enough. But now you've found me, and ruined my duel, you can tell me what freedom fighters might want from me. You've got a great deal of information about the Terra Nostra supply chain. Trade routes, shipments, nasty rumours about unpleasant new lines of business. And I'm just going to volunteer this information, am I? Favour for an old friend? <laughs> nice try. Then how about... We keep quiet about your current activities. These old Federation listening towers were decommissioned years ago. You may have paid off the salvage crews, but once we've alerted the authorities... What happened to honour amongst thieves? I'm not a thief anymore, and you've never had any honour to begin with. I don't do favours, and I won't do threats. But I will do deals, Stannis, even with the likes of you. So I reckon we can come to some arrangement without the unnecessary jibes. You want my cooperation. And what do you want? Let's step outside, talk along the walkway, and I'll tell you precisely what the Liberator can do for me. 
quite the view, isn't it? Wonderful. I've changed since we parted ways on Samana, you know. I'm not a thief anymore either. I remember. Psycho strategist, wasn't it? You're certainly sly enough. You don't need to be sly in this profession. That's a misconception. You just need to be... Treacherous? Open-minded. Psycho strategy is all about seeing a system from a different perspective before it exists as it unfolds. And I happen to be good at it. Is this what you've been doing for the Terra Nostra? Client confidentiality. I do a lot of things for a great many people. And I'm currently doing some freelance work where I could use some assistance. I'm under commission from a clone master. A clone master? I presume you've heard of them. Bit of a shadowy bunch. You may not be aware, if you've been whizzing around the galaxy, but their ruler has died. My condolences. Are you psychos strategizing where to send the funeral wreath? There's quite the power struggle underway on their homeworld. They're holding a conclave to summon the next ruler. It's all a bit arcane, their mysterious ritual. Good for them. What's this got to do with anything? Oh, Stannis, try to see the bigger picture, please. Whoever controls the Clone Masters and their technology, that'll have huge repercussions for the Federation. Are they your clients? Client confidentiality. The Federation and the Clone Masters have been guarded allies of late, but my contact is much less favorably disposed towards our oppressors than some of their contemporaries. If I can help them ascend to the throne, well, the Resistance might have a powerful new friend. And you'll net yourself a tidy fee. It's a living. No reason to get sniffy about an honest day's work. If the Liberator helps me to elect an anti-Federation leader, that's a win-win situation for you. Surely, whatever the benefits to me. What would we need to do? There's a Federation convoy en route to the Clone Master world. You simply need to stop it getting there and you need to be subtle about it. That would allow my contact to claim to their people that the Federation has abandoned them and prevent certain reinforcements from making an appearance. I presume you have all the necessary on this convoy. Size, routes, specs? Everything you require. And it's nothing the Liberator can't handle. Hmm. You just happened to have this plan for us in mind, did you? I was going to use my own militia contacts, but now you've found me. Lucky you. Lucky Blake. Once this is done, I'll more than happily assist you in any way I can. Now that's an offer. What's the catch? So suspicious. <laughs> can you blame me? Getting hot isn't it? The people that used to live here had a story about those twin sons. They thought there was only the one star, but that we always see the light that is gone and the light that is yet to be. Forget the old light, Stannis. Focus on the new. You've changed as much as I have. Yes, but I'm no psycho-strategist. No, you're a dangerous terrorist, a freedom fighter, a rebel. An inspiration to the best and worst of us. Talking of rebels, you have an Auron in your crew, don't you? Callie. What about her? How is she? To work with, I mean. I only ask because I came across an unusual Auron myself. Alara Kay, on the planet Vardo. Might Callie know her? Why are you asking? Don't worry, I'm not trying to poach your colleague, if that's what you're worried about. I'm not worried. 
<laughs> she wouldn't want anything to do with you anyway. I'm sure Blake will when he hears my proposal. We decide things as a group. Send your convoy details to the Liberator. We're hidden in orbit. We'll let you know in one hour. Then I'll walk you back to your shuttle. No need. Bring me back. Orak, I'd like some information. And I would like to be left alone in peace. I wasn't aware you had any likes. If I did, I'm sure I would not classify you as being amongst them. I want everything you've got on the planet Vardo. Everything is a great deal. Start with the basics then, if that's all you can handle. Kindly refrain from insults. I am the most sophisticated computer you will ever come across. You are requesting standard planetary data. I am not a mere travel brochure. I should not be used like this. Jenna? Callie, you're not due to relieve me just yet. Oh, I couldn't sleep. I hear Aurak is being as helpful as ever. We do this dance every time I request some simple background, don't we, Aurak? I do not dance. Surely the most sophisticated computer ought to know a step or two. I shall not dignify that with a response. I wanted to talk to you about Hinton's plan. You aren't happy with it. It seems solid enough, and her intel is impeccable. If it managed to convince the ever-cautious Avon, well, we should respect that. But... And you know of our history. Hinton just isn't to be trusted. And there's a feeling, something I can't shake. Something she mentioned down there. A planet called Vardo. Vardo. Hinton's last transmission was directed towards there. Isn't that right, Aurak? That is correct. Maybe she was speaking to her Aron contact. Oh? I didn't mention it in front of the others. Hinton said she came across an unusual Aron, a, a Lara Kay. She asked if you knew her. Lara Kay? I mean, that's like me expecting to know every other human in space. But maybe you do know her. It's just not possible. What do you mean? Oh, no, Auron would ever... You must be mistaken. It's what she said, Callie. What's wrong? Orak, we need some information on Vardo. As I explained to Jenna... This is important. Are there any settlements down there? There are no permanent inhabitants, but there is a registered research base on the Northern Hemisphere. Federation? Independent. Is everything all right? Yes, Jenna, it is fine. We passed Vardo en route to the convoy, so I think I might teleport down. And Blake? I don't need Blake's permission. I'm not needed on this mission. The boys can handle this sort of drudgery. I want to discover Hinton's connection to the place. The way she casually referenced it. I would like to accompany you. All right. It might be nothing. We could check out this research base and possibly meet this Lara Kay. I cannot imagine there would be any such Aaron. Why? It's hard for me to explain. And I ask that you do not press the matter. 
Well, as long as you're not upset. Not upset, just perturbed. Zen, adjust our flight plan to put us in Vardo's orbit. Confirmed. We'll probably be down there for a few days. I'll tell Blake what we're doing and pack a few things. Worst case scenario, it'll be something of a holiday. Maybe you are little more than a travel brochure, Orak. Your attempts at humour regularly fail to amuse. Orak, this research base, what is its field of study? Outgoing transmissions are limited, but coded communications suggests the scientists present are developing new cloning techniques. Hmm. I have a bad feeling about this, Orak. I do not operate on feeling. Whereas I do, and I feel it will not be a holiday in the slightest. Smoothly done, Orak. Of course it was. And the base is due north from here? Can you recommend any hotels or places to eat in the area? We will thankfully be out of communications range very shortly. Then we shall leave you in peace. Wish the others the best of luck from us. I shall do no such thing. Orak gets grumpier by the day. If you didn't rile him so, perhaps he'd have landed us just a little bit closer. Mm. And in a less dense patch of forest too. You heard Sen's analysis. It seems like most of the planet is like this. Then a walk through the woods will do us good. Come on. The air is fresh. Pretty murky, though. The light does struggle to break through the canopy. Uh, I wouldn't like to be out here after dark. Well, it'd be difficult terrain to traverse. Not just that. There are no predators native to this planet. Not that, either. Irrational, perhaps. But instinctive? I knew to be scared of forests long before I'd ever seen one. They're always the setting for strange stories. Which are usually just that, stories. I remember one run I did. We were meeting a contact on Harvest. Do you know the planet? Large chunks of it, just like this. The others I was with at the time, Jensen, Hurst, hardened smugglers, the lot of us, Once we found our contact dead in the woods, we retreated to the lookout. And not one of us ventured outside that night. 